Hello and welcome to podcast 27 from Football Aranya. I'm Michael Statham and I'm here with podcast regular James Rowe to discuss everything Dutch football. The big news. Ronald Koeman is confirmed as a new Netherlands national team manager and PSV and Ajax are still fighting it out for the Eredivisie title. All that and more to come, including your questions that were sent in, are answered. We're available to listen and download on SoundCloud, iTunes and our YouTube channel. Enjoy. Okay, James, uh, I'd like to start this podcast by talking about Ronald Koeman. It's it's a big news this week and Football Anya, we put out a poll and we asked if fans are happy with Ronald Koeman's appointment as Netherlands head coach. And 68% replied with yes, with only 11% saying no and would have wanted someone else. 21% saying they were unsure at the moment. James, what do you think of the appointment? considering it's largely positive from the fans. Are they right to think so? Um, yes, I believe so. It was also my choice. Uh, listeners of previous pods will know that uh, I championed him uh, from the off. Uh, I thought his uh, unveiling uh, at the Dutch FA headquarters was, was very interesting, especially the questions that were put to him. And he's adamant that he's going to stay up until the end of his contract um, to include the 2022 World Cup. He's happy to have the job and um, I think he knows what his assignment is. Uh, it's to build a new team that can, that can compete. Uh, the interesting points about this is that in 2003, when Ajax almost reached the semi-finals of the Champions League, he built that team when Feyenoord were in immense difficulty financially and uh, he decided to really blood through the youth. Um, he oversaw that and you saw the quality of players coming through, which are now gone on to be seasoned in internationals and playing abroad. And also managing in Spain and in England. And I think it's a perfect job for him. I think it's a perfect time for him as well. And I just think that he must be allowed um, to get on with the job in hand. Uh, be interesting that his debut will be at home uh, in Amsterdam against England in March in a friendly. And uh, considering um, the criticism he got at the end of his days in Everton, so I think uh, slowly but surely it, it's um, it's a great appointment. Four years too late, in my opinion, but uh, better late than never, eh? Yeah, perfect appointment. It's a shame it's a bit too late, but maybe it comes at the right time. He will be able to take the young players that are coming through, and I think this time the generation does feel a lot more positive. It is a lot stronger. There's a lot more quality there as well. Um, and it's just good that he's he's worked with a lot of these players before. He's worked with a lot of them in the Netherlands. And I think someone like David Klaassen, who he's championed and brought to Everton, didn't, hasn't gone right for him so far in the Premier League. But I feel like Koeman's the right man to really take him by the horns and really try and bring him back to the, the, the player he used to be. Um, what, what other kind of qualities do you think Koeman's going to bring, though? Um, I think he's, um, I think tactically he will help a young group improve. He's already advocated that he wants the team to be able to adapt to different formations within games and be able to take initiative and be able to learn. And I think um, I think he'll it'll be highly motivated, very um, an awful lot of experience too. And I think that the objective to build a team to be able to compete, I think that's something that he will be able to um, to fulfil. I'm really interested to see how wide he cast his net because uh, having spoke to Yefri Khawaleu last October this is a 
player, a defender who's playing every week in a very, very strong league in Germany. And he's been overlooked by um, by many different national team managers and ignored in some quarters. And um, I can see Kuman casting his net wide and looking at what's available in different in different countries as well. You have uh, Jordi Klasi at Club Brugge. You've got lots of different opportunities and I'm just really interested to see how um, far he casts his net and how interesting his his future squad uh, selections will be. Yeah, definitely. I really like that point. He is not um, blinded by the other leagues in Europe. He'll look far and wide at all those that are available, especially in Germany, I think. That there aren't there isn't much tension there at the minute. Jeffrey Calvaleo, who you've you've you spoke to, James, I think he is a perfect example of that. If he can really step up his performances, he can be with another shout. Um, what what do you think, uh, Ronald's first steps could be in terms of reorganising the team and tactics? I just want to add a point on that before uh, you answer, James. I I did notice that in these interviews, he talked about the formations and that four three threes perhaps the key formation but he's not afraid at all if he has to play five at the back for a more tricky game and I think that that's what I personally really like about him is just a lot more adaptable and really just open to a load more ideas but what do you think his first steps might be then when he now he's taken over? I think his first step will to to be able to assess, assess what he has uh, he he has stated about 4-3-3 and being able to adapt it was quite funny because in that um press conference he was asked a lot of different questions he was even asked if he would entertain the notion of Van Persie and uh, other experienced players coming back into the fold and he was basically saying that it's about quality but I also think that he's he's being very polite and very respectful that you know that Van Persie isn't necessarily the future of the Dutch national team but he wouldn't begrudge him a farewell game to um for everyone to say thanks for his services for example and i think that was the point that he was making one very interesting point which he, which is, was overlooked especially in the foreign media right at the end he was asked about the situation regarding in the past with Hakim Ziyech choosing Morocco over the Netherlands and how Koeman would uh, would look to avoid that in future in terms of um, selecting players and, and making sure they they would look to choose the Netherlands, and he said that it's about um, it's about getting off the mark quick. It's about approaching players as early as possible and sounding them out if they're interested. And um, I just think he's going to survey very very calmly and very very um, very very slowly. Uh, Dvad Lodovic has been announced as his assistant. Who um, when I spoke to Pelle van Aanholt. Uh, at LA Galaxy in Los Angeles last September he was absolutely um, so positive about about Lodovax as a a, a manager and as a a, a, because he was just saying about his um, his positivity and and the the small details and being able to correct certain things and being able to give simple advice and I think for, for a young group meeting up together I think uh, Lodovax is a good choice. I think he'll um, he'll be eager to help these young players, and I think that will um, that will strengthen Cummins' case further. Really, yeah. I the appointment as assistant manager did surprise me a little bit. He didn't have a lot of experience manager manager wise, but I remember his season at Hidden Vane, if I remember correctly. Um, he he didn't get the best out of the whole squad, but out of the young players particularly. He really developed them uh, very well, and 
they ended up getting really good careers within Europe. Um, I'd like to open the first question from our Twitter followers this evening, and uh, this fella here has got a name in Arabic, and I, I cannot read it, and it's not the first time he sent a question, and I would love to know how to say your name. Please could you comment or tweet us, because I would love to know how to say it. Um, he has two questions. The first one is, which players will make their debut with Arani? Um, that's a very tricky question um, because you don't know how far and how wide uh, Kuman is going to cast his net. But I think the gentleman has a great point that there will be debutants in the squad for the England game in March. And they may well be surprising, but at the moment I would not necessarily know what names to uh, to say because that comes down to what Kuman is deliberately looking for and who he wants to cap and uh, should be very interesting indeed well um we have a video on a youtube channel with 10 well five sorry five players that we think could be up there to make their debut um i i would say you could go for the likes of uh register on your haps or um an outside shout could be hans hartabur uh italy if if kuman can can search far enough that you know to other possibly. leagues mine I looked at before. Possibly, possibly, but I, as I say, I just don't know what he's thinking and what he's looking at, and um, it'd just be very, very interesting. I think, I think to suggest names would be very speculative. Speculative, hence why I thought that I, although it's a very good question, um, I don't think I'm. Um, if I was to say a name, I would just be saying it for the for the sake of it. And uh, another question is, which players do you really think that Kuman will drop from Adanya? Which players will he move on? Um, one that relinks to his interview, I, I would say, would might be Wesley Schneider and Robin Van Persie. I really hope yeah, that he can I, move these guys on. I agree. I agree. I can see them receiving uh, farewell games uh, as a way of saying thank you in, in the short term. But in the long term, not so much. I think... Um, I think he won't begrudge them an opportunity for other fans to thank them for their services, and rightly so. They've uh, given many, many years of service to the Dutch national team. But uh, I think after that, I think he'll get down to business to, to form a team to be able to compete. And I just think it will be, uh, be very, very interesting. Um, yeah, another name that I just thought of right now could be Frankie de Jong um, at Ajax, of course one of the true Eredivisie talents at the moment. Such a good quality player. And it opens up to uh, some more questions that were sent in via Twitter. William says, What do you see as Frank de Jong's long-term position? What will this be for both Ajax and Aranya? James, far away. James, far away. Um, I would say, considering his age and considering how well he started, I believe that he's... I think he can be moulded into an attacking midfielder who comes from deep. I mean, these marauding runs from, from defence in some cases at some points this season, especially for someone so young, has been, uh, has been tremendous to see. But I think with his tenacity and his composure on the ball, I think he could well be cajoled into um, securing an attacking uh, midfield position. And I think that would mean that you would be you would be able to constantly see a very dangerous side of him. I was at the game today, Ajax against FC Twente, and he was a little bit quiet today. He he wasn't as um he wasn't as uh, it wasn't the flashes of um 
of uh, of normal brilliance that we saw and the marauding runs. But you can't have every game at, uh, at such a wonderfully high level. But uh, I would say attacking midfielder. Yeah, he's terrific. I personally think he could sit a bit deeper and he'd be better as a defensive midfielder. I think the rough and tumble of playing at centre-back um, has worked for him in his favour. It will work for him in the long term. He will be able to focus on a midfield position, I would think, from next season. I can't see Ajax going into next season seeing De Jong and De Ligt as the centre-back partnership to continue. De Jong is far too lightweight and in Europe he will be found out. I think the perfect example, though, of how he's adapting to that situation is when Ajax uh, got a nil-nil draw away at uh, Utrecht. They didn't win, but they had the clean sheet, and De Jong had some had a fantastic pass succession again, the best on the pitch again in the high nineties, and he dealt with uh, Joanno Kirk really well, really pacey striker, really determined striker. He likes to the rough and tumble on attack through balls, running onto them. De Jong dealt with him, shouldered him off the ball, shepherded things away. It was great to see like how how quickly he can adapt to that new position. Like he has he's been training in it for probably like a month, two months. Um and he looks a natural already. Um but I do hope that midfield is his long term position, especially for the Netherlands. They really need a player who can make him tick and play spray loads of balls from all sorts of angles to try and quicken the play up a little bit and just bring that danger back to the Netherlands. Yeah, I, I agree. I think in a defensive sense for Ajax next season with Per Schuurs and um, Matthijs de Ligt, I think it's important for for them to forge a partnership and be able to play together. I think the rumours of Matthijs de Ligt to Barcelona, I think they're completely unfounded. I think um, I think Matthijs de Ligt himself is looking forward to playing with uh, Per Schuurs and, and building a um, building a, a partnership together to go forward. And it's a fantastic base. Uh, for the for the centre backs of Ajax to build upon, and um, if you put um, Frankie De Jong in front of them marauding forward, then that could be uh, that could be a very dangerous trio to build out from the back and to to um, develop uh, counter attacks for uh, Ajax in the future. Right, um, Daniel asks, "Is Frankie for real?" Um, the answer is yes. And yes. the next question is, Cam says, "What are your thoughts on Edits and Hark so far?" James, you watched Ajax beat Twente two one today, as you said. What did you make of that? Yeah, I I thought that it wasn't the most convincing performance, but they did ever so well Again. to um, to get such a quick goal by Justin Kleibert. And when FC Twente were coming with more and more um, more and more um, motivation to break with counter attacks and, and to edge a little bit forward. Uh, Ajax managed to keep them in check, but then FC Twente had a spell where they were pushing, and uh, the equaliser came, and uh, but also to to go straight down the other end almost and and, and win a penalty, and it was a fantastically placed penalty by Lashishona today. It was a real. I was up the other end, but I managed to have a good view, and uh, it was a fantastic penalty. And um, I also saw them against Nakbreda last uh, last Sunday, and um, he's he's slowly but surely building a base as well as picking up points and um, quietly going about his business and um, I think it's very promising I, I can see Ajax um, being able to catch PSV not over the course of uh, of two or three weeks but I think over a spell where if you look at 
PSV's next two fixtures against Heerden Fane and Feyenoord, I expect them to drop points in both games. I think um, Heerden Fane, um, they had a good spell, but have suffered two uh, two strange results uh, midweek um, when they lost to uh, lost to Swalla and uh, not being able to beat LDSA at home. But before that, they were on a winning run again with, uh, I think it was seven points from nine. And uh, I rate Jürgen Sleppel, their manager, and uh, they're just a little bit inconsistent. And I can see them uh, causing a surprise um, in Eindhoven next Saturday. I, I personally don't think Ten Hag has set the world light so far. I, I really rated him before he, he came to Amsterdam. Um, of course, the, he's only had a few games to really put an impact in. They, they were terrific against Feyenoord, um, played him off the park. But against Nakbleda and Twente against today, I just, I'm not saying they have to win every game 4-0. But when I watched the second half against Nakbleda, it, it was, I could have fell fallen asleep. Nothing really happened, nothing of note. I just wonder whether it's terrific, great game management from Ten Hag. Because the opposition hardly have many chances, or whether it's actually the players aren't motivated to get some more goals. I think it's him being aware that they can still catch PSV and that they have to keep the duty of picking up uh, maximum points on a regular basis. In the in in the winter break, it was very interesting to hear Matthias de Ligt uh, say about the tactical training they do and the tactical um, sessions they have in learning about different scenarios and different drills and that kind of thing and I think he, Den Haag hasn't been there very long and uh, but he's finding a balance of picking up maximum points and I think that the um, that the more um, elaborative and decorative play I think that will come as time goes on I think we'll see that at the start of uh, towards the end of this season we'll see that more regularly and especially next season as well I've got another tasty question for you here James you ready for this one Yes, far away. Four years from now, who would you rather have? Ajax's David Neres or PSV's Herving Lozano? A David Neres is who I would rather have. He's, uh, he was, he was, yeah, he was subbed off today, uh, Neres, and uh, he had uh, flashes in the first half where he did very well. And uh, he's, he had a fantastic game against Bledar last Sunday and he's just a very, very, very good footballer. And uh, Lozano is also very good, but Lozano is a bit more of a, uh, a penalty box killer where everything in and around the box, but inside the box, is willing to finish it. But uh, David Nieres reminds me of Richarlison at Watford, who who himself came very, very close to signing for Ajax. And then Watford came in under the noses of Ajax to prize Richarlison uh, and have him play in the Premier League. But if I had to make a choice, I would choose uh, David Neres instead of Herving Lozano. Excellent points on, on both of them there, James. Um, and I, I would like to add to that and actually go against what you say. And I think Herving Lozano will be the better player, um, especially on an international front. I think he's going to be terrific. I think he's going to be significant for Mexico, like um, Andres Guardado. Um, but I, I think the difference between Neres and Lozano is uh, it feels like a Messi against Ronaldo battle already. Because Neres is, like Messi, very skillful, um, has loads of technique, um, beats opponents, sets players up. Lozano for me is more of a, a Ronaldo and, and, as you say, more of a goal-getter. He's in the box a lot more, more of a finisher. Um, but the, the, the difference between the two, actually, that could perhaps sway me towards Neres is Lozano does fall away in some games and does go missing a little bit. 
but I think that can improve with the more experience he gets. But for me, um, I'd go with Lozano. More goals to his game. Interesting. One interesting point for the listeners as well, that there are rumblings here in the Netherlands that Neres is being looked at uh, by the current Brazilian national team coach, Tite, uh, to be included in the Brazilian national team squad for the World Cup in the summer. And uh, although the World Cup is quite some months away, looking as a, as a football fan, I think um, if you look at um, what Tite has done with Brazil and looking at the pool of talent he has at his disposal in all leagues, I think that's very impressive indeed. I think it's very impressive that a young Brazilian playing in the Netherlands and, and gaining more and more responsibility f- for his team may well be in in line for a, a national team uh, call-up to a squad to participate in a World Cup. I think that gives uh, hope and incentive to many, many young footballers playing abroad. And I hope that the Eredivisie does has, have loads of representatives at the World Cup because of the Netherlands not making it. And uh, David Erdes and Hervé Lanzano could be two really significant players in the competition. Um, uh, two of many, actually. I think that there's also players like Adi Reza, Johan Baksha, RZ, who could really make an impact. And I'm really excited to see what will happen. I think it's going to be a great World Cup. I think it's going to be a World Cup absolute full of surprises. And um, I think it's going to be uh, many, many stories to tell. Now, Lozano brings me on to a question that I, I was thinking about, James, for the podcast. And PSV are leading the Eredivisie by seven points at the moment. Do you think they're going to crumble? It's They have had some very close results. Three points is three points, but when they're scraping a winner away at Sparta Rotterdam, who are bottom of the table, do you start to worry that their lead is going to slowly and surely, surely disintegrate with 11 games to go? Yeah, I think it will, but I can't see that happening in consecutive games. I think uh, I think the pressure will uh, will creep onto them. I think the pressure on Kokuda is put on himself is enormous. I mean, even in the in the early interviews he was giving to the local media back in August and September, with only maybe five six six games played, not even that. He's he's talking about the um, the necessity of winning a league title and and how important it is. And um, so I think there's big, big pressure there. I think considering the games they've got coming up, uh, here in Vain, Feyenoord, Utrecht, Ajax, um, and a couple of uh, other games as well. I think they're um, also away to also away to Alkmaar as well. Uh, these types of games, I'm not entirely sure if they're going to pick up uh, if they're going to pick up three points, and uh, should be very interesting right until the end. And. I think that there are there are signs in their play away from home. At home, they are so strong. They have won twenty one games in the spin now at home in the league, but they lost away at Feyenoord in the in the cup quarter final. Totally outplayed. They lost away at Ajax for the winter break. Totally outplayed, and they've they've scraped wins away at Sparta, away at Heracles, away at Twente. This this is all very recently as well. It's all going to go wrong, for, in my opinion. And I'm surprised it hasn't happened already. Um, Feyenoord coming up. RZ coming up away from home. Ajax at home. I, th- I think it's going to happen very soon. Well, I think it'll be very interesting to the end. I, I think that... Um... I think that they won't necessarily drop the points in in consecutive games, but I think over a period of maybe six to eight weeks, yeah. you'll see uh, you'll see a a dip in form and a, a drop in the gaps point gap uh, gap of the points and uh, in the points gap, 
and um, I believe that uh, the game in Eindhoven, I think it's uh, 15th of April off the top of my head, I think that could very well be key. Yes, it's 15th of April, and there's just been a lot of criticism towards PSV, and if you're leading a table by seven points, it says possibly two things. Either we're all wrong, and us criticise them for playing very average football, um, is that all wrong? Or is it because the strength of the league? Are Ajax, RZ, Final, the teams below them, are they just not strong enough? Is it a sign of the times? Because if you compare this PSV side to the PSV side that won the league uh, under Koku previously, where they had the likes of Memphis, Vinaldum, and so on, is that a, a much stronger team than we see today with PSV? They still have the likes of Lozano, Van Hinkle, Zuttingol, but is is you know is this the same kind of quality team? Um, I think with the reigning champions falling away so early, that hasn't helped um, the image of the league. But I think if you look at the league overall, you know, for Faith and Faith Venlo to be having to be sitting with thirty points after twenty three games is tremendous. For Excelsior on such a budget uh, to have twenty six points for for Twente to be in the precarious position they're in for a, such a, a well-respected manager and advocate to return to home shores to want to manage. Uh, the Eredivisie has always been an acquired taste and there's always something about it. And there's lots of useful players that can go on to um, to um, to better things. I think the manager's uh, manager opportunities at top level is something which is uh, undervalued. There's, uh, of the 18 teams in the Eredivisie, there's 17 Dutch managers and there's one from Belgium which is uh, manager Stein Freven. So if you think of these 17 Dutch managers getting experience at the highest level which uh, will stand them in good stead in the future. Yes, there are loads of positives and this is the reason why we both love the Eredivisie. But uh, you make a good point there that teams like Veve Venlo, Excelsior on shoestring budgets with very small crowds coming to visit them every week does that show that you can get away with a low budget in the highest level in the Netherlands because if you compare these to English teams, a, a team like Excelsior has got a budget possibly similar to a League 2 team in England. Um, it, arguably that is the case. The way that it's spent though here in the Netherlands means that they're not at the same quality level as a League 2 team, but it's an interesting point, isn't it, that teams such as VVV can be in the top half of the Eredivisie table with very little money. Is that a sign of the times? Well, in the case of they when they won the league last year, they had the 10th biggest budget. And I had the pleasure of interviewing Molly Stein uh, last October, um, uh, last August, sorry. And um, one of the things that uh, stuck with me is him telling me when he first arrived at the club, there was characters in the club that he didn't really like and that he didn't really see them being an asset to the club and an asset to the team and he had to kind of weed them out of the club to really really create a togetherness and if you think from top to bottom if you think of um, um, the board level at Venlo Stein commuting from his home in in The Hague to Venlo every day of the week you know with uh, with as well as his uh, his general commitments you know there's been an awful lot of um, sacrifices made and he's just very, very happy there. And um, I'm, I'm really, really intrigued to see how 
um, how far he can take Faith Faith Enlow. And then the question comes in the summer, if he pushes it so far for links, uh, linking him to Ipswich, for example. I mean, he told me himself that his career finished at the age of 27 and he had never had the opportunity to play abroad. And uh, he only played for two Eredivisie clubs. And he has in the past... Uh, rejected offers to manage not just other clubs here in the Netherlands but also abroad I just think with such a stellar season uh, in the offering for uh, for Faith of Enlo it'll be interesting to see uh, what comes his way in the summer and in, more in particular what he actually decides to do I'll, I'll be keeping a very very close eye on that uh, That leads very nicely on to our, our final question of the evening from Gareth with a number of managers leaving their post this summer in the Eredivisie, are we likely to see a manager merry-go-round? Um, I personally hope that Henk Fraser is going to get a chance at a big club, i.e. PSV, should Kaku leave. Um, yeah, James, are we going to see a manager merry-go-round? I think we will. I think we will. But um, I don't know if it's going to be a, a, a huge one. You've got Ernest Faber leaving Groningen. You've got uh, Owen van der Looy leaving Willem II. You've got Henk Fraser leaving Vitesse. Um, it'll be interesting to see who fits where. Uh, if you look at if you look back into recent history, the Eredivisie has always looked at the current pool they have, and clubs have always had the opportunity to take uh, jobs when they're in the lower regions at. Um, at, um, at other clubs that are in a higher position. To give you an example on that, um, current Hidden uh, Fame manager Jürgen Streppel, he was in charge of Willem Trey and he was uh, in a position where Willem Trey were playing some fantastic football, really, really good football, really, really solid. And he received an opportunity to go and manage Hidden uh, Fame. And uh, yes, they've been a little bit inconsistent, um, but uh, that's that was a step up for him. Uh, also, as well with um, uh, in the, with Hunendijk, um, in uh, he was at um, Excelsior not so long ago, and and gave the impression that he was kind of getting a little bit tired of, uh, of fighting relegation all the time, and then now he's got his uh, other than half cl uh, club uh, only five points from the European playoffs, and uh, it's been a long, long time since other than half was involved in the in a potential European playoff. Uh, scrap so uh, should be very interesting to see uh, who goes where in the summer fantastic well james um thank you for this evening now before we do leave uh and our next podcast we would just like to let you some know about um both both of our latest interviews that are coming up within this week coming weeks um tomorrow i'm off to meet brentford's florian josephson and the interview will be up on tuesday and james yeah, I've uh, a very very busy week, but I'll uh, I'll pick up the highlights. On Wednesday, I go to Nijmegen to interview Feyenoord Loni Jari Schumann, and on Thursday, I speak to Swansea City centre back Mike van der Horn. This uh, very very interesting week ahead. Uh, I'm very very pleased with uh, current interviews from the previous months, and also speaking this week to Anouk Decker, who uh, was part of the team that won Euro 2017 on home soil last summer. So very, very busy, but hoping for many, many questions and many, many answers with lots of depth to uh, to give the readers uh, a genuine idea of the players and managers involved. Brilliant. Well, keep an eye on our website um, for plenty of all this and much more. James, thank you.